Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I think we need a new phrase to describe clothing that is not buttery soft. <laughs> really? I'm tired of reading about I don't want everything that touches my body to be buttery soft. First of all, butter is oily. If you put actual butter, it's not. I don't like that. I know. I agree. See, I just like the way cotton feels, which is not buttery soft, but I know it just has cotton in it. You know that there was like a focus group at some point where they're like, people want to hear that things are buttery soft. They want to put that on their body, but we're not really thinking about it. Sometimes I want things that are like meringue stiff. I want a meringue <laughs> stiff blazer or like a banana bread dense sweater. You know what? Banana banana bread dense sweater is really my sweet spot. Yeah. I think that I do. I do live in a world that has banana bread dense uh, sweaterage. I want beef Wellington well-constructed shoes. I love beef Wellington <laughs> with, with mushrooms, not pate. Yes, but let's use other food to describe the way that clothing fits. I just buttery soft is I, I'm finding it lazy. I agree. You know what? I want a scarf that feels like a marshmallow. (laughs) (laughs) Fun episode today, Alyssa. I mean, they're all fun. They're all fun. Always fun. But we covered a lot of ground today. We covered a lot of ground in the news. We get to talk about Taylor Swift derangement syndrome, which is going to probably be added to the DSM-6, which won't be coming (laughs) out for quite a while. But definitely... You know, make a post-it note of it if you are a psychiatrist who contributes to the DSM. Taylor Swift derangement syndrome, it is real, and it is uh, pandemic level in the halls of Fox News. We also have uh, a fun little victory dance to do for E. Jean Carroll in honor of her judgment. 83.3 milzos. That's a lot of money. That's like... 10 hours of work for Jeff Bezos. Yeah, and don't worry, because Hysteria will be tracking to make sure she gets that money. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't know if he's going to pay it. I'm oh, just going to say he's going to try. Pay. Someone's going to make him pay it. He's going to try, not, he's he's gonna gonna try not to pay He's going to oh, try he's not, not to pay He's going to try not to pay it, but I think he's going to get his money. Oh, you know what we didn't even talk about? What? E. e. Jean actually wants to set up the biggest sticking the biggest shiv in him as possible, she actually wants to set up a fund to help other survivors of Trump's assaults. We're also going to talk about some troubling new data that shows that young men are actually more conservative than old men, while young women are becoming more and more More, progressive. What do you know? Which which means they don't like each other. Women and men don't like each other. What's going to happen, Erin? Will we find out the answer? I don't know. I I bet the answer that society is going to come up with is not men need to make themselves more likable. It's going to be women need to dot, dot, dot. Dot, But we've got guest Anna Louise Sussman to talk about that and the way that it's playing out in different countries around the world. And then we have a really fun Sani Petty. Mm Mm-hmm. We've, we play it loosey-goosey. I love a weird celebrity lie. Weird celebrity lie and weird celebrity birthday party. Indeed. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who believe Colin Kaepernick knelt so Taylor Swift could run, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like Kaepernick would like a word if the NFL is now this this woke entity in American culture. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. It is a money-making enterprise that at one point made a stupid political decision and at this point is making a smarter political decision, but it's all about making money. It's always about making money. I dis I disavow it. It is a it is a it is a head injury factory. I'm not, it is not a, sorry, it's not a woke 
progressive mouthpiece. What a ridiculous definitely not stance. You know, sometimes I think conservatives who don't ever talk to liberals or progressives or leftists make a decision about what leftists are doing in their imagination that has nothing to do with reality. It's like talk to somebody who is on the left side of talk to a single person and they will be like, no. Even just talk to a moderate. Well, it's like, you know what? It is like when right-wingers are like, well, Lena Dunham did this. And it's like, yeah, we don't like her either. Like, what? I don't know. Well, she doesn't represent us. No, she doesn't represent us. I liked girls. I liked girls. She doesn't speak for me. Let's just leave it at that. No. And also, like, talk to somebody. Talk to a single person. And they'll be like, you know what? I don't really think of the NFL as a political entity. And I don't think that Taylor Swift's association with it has anything to do with politics. I just think that they're trying to make money. Trying to make money for women. And it's working. It's working. TikTok, I can't get away from it on TikTok. All these girls in Kelsey sweatshirts. So far-right media is obsessed with Taylor Swift right now. Um, In keeping with the tradition of conservatives being scared of absolutely everything, uh, it seems Swift now represents the sum of all fears. (laughs) It's a woman who's made her own money, who seems to be happy despite the fact that she's unmarried, doesn't have kids, and loves spending time with her cats. Also my hero. (laughs) I mean, a lot of people's hero. A lot of people look to Taylor (laughs) Swift and they're like, yes, yes. Also, she voted for Joe Biden in 2020. And she is dating Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs in case you've been living under a rock or you don't have a television. Congratulations if you don't. Uh, Conservatives are convinced that the Chiefs' advance to the Super Bowl was rigged so Democrats could capture the national stage and use it to their advantage. Aaron. No one has ever accused the Democrats of being that coordinated. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. That's communist Go levels on. of organization. That is like, that is beyond, that is, the, the socialists have the capability to be that organized, <laughs> not the Democrats. Um, but ever since the Chiefs defeated uh, the Ravens to advance to the Super Bowl last weekend, which I was sad about, I wanted to see the Ravens make it. I'm tired of the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, honestly. Tired of it. You know what? They're like the University of Michigan to me of college football. It's like, okay, enough already. No. Someone else needs a chance. No, yes. Michigan isn't the one that's not giving people a chance. It's the University of Alabama. It's SEC teams that are not giving people a chance. Sorry, I'm still living in the late 90s. Okay, okay. that's fair. That's fair, my, fair, my fair. foundational college football experience. Fair. Um, okay, so since the Chiefs made it to the Super Bowl, which the Chiefs have been like one of the best teams in the NFL for the entirety of the season. It's not like yeah. they just came out of nowhere like the Bucks under Brady. Like, they, <laughs> they've been one of the best teams for the entirety of the season. It is not a surprise. It doesn't seem weird. The game was, like, very, like decisive. It wasn't like there was some kind of refing dispute. that there, there, The likelihood that the Chiefs were predestined to go to the Super Bowl is low. Like— mm-hmm. It, it's 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 very silly. But nonetheless, this week has really been an entertaining one if you like watching unhinged Fox News segments. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, Elon Musk, and Fox host Jesse Waters have put on their thinking caps and predicted that Taylor Swift will endorse President Biden in the 2024 election uh, and that, that this is all somehow related to a big scheme by Democrats to get Joe Biden elected. I don't think that it's that daring a gambit 
<laughs> considering that Taylor Swift enjo- endorsed Joe Biden in 2020. Like, I don't know why they're like, it's going to happen. Like, you're, you're not making any sort of a interesting call. Like, that's a yes, she probably right. will. It's like point. most likely. Nothing has changed since then. Right. And um, that there's also been accusations that Taylor Swift is working for the NFL. But I honestly think that the NFL could be working for Taylor Swift. Let's think about that. Um, she has sold out more stadiums than the NFL has this year, I think. And uh, this all could be PR for Reputation Taylor's version. Nobody's considering that. Listen, there is no one there is no one more media savvy than Taylor or someone who seems to, like, actually hate the media. Like, she's not even on social media. Like, no. they think she's doing all this, and she's not—she doesn't follow people. Well, that's the funniest thing. They are yelling at a wall. Like, they are yelling at a wall. And also, can we please stop quoting Vivek Ramaswamy as some sort of— oh He's just—since he quit running for president, he's just a fucking guy. He's just a guy. Just a guy. We don't—there are just tons a, of people who are just a guy yelling at a wall about Taylor and Swift. And you know what he is, Aaron? He's a bit shrill. He's extremely— I think Vivek's a bit shrill. He's extremely shrill. He's extremely shrill. a little shrill. hysterical. I am—I'm just—he's just annoying. He's a, he's, a, he's a bug in the ear of the American media, and nobody—he's just ugh, an off-putting guy. Um, but I think all of this is coming from the fact that Donald Trump himself seems to be threatened by Taylor Swift and her popularity. He is absolutely sherbeting his drawers over the possibility <laughs> of Swift's army— um, tipping the 2024 20, election away from him, uh, declaring a holy war on Swift. And uh, he's been claiming that he's more popular than she is. Wh- wh- what a weird guy. What a weird. Well, first of all, we know how he does with women, Aaron. This is not shocking that he's like, Tay-Tay's out to get me. However, declaring holy war, which I have seen all over social media, all over the news, I mean— did he not just get struck with an $83 million settlement for defamation? He sure um, did. What is he not learning? He's Aaron, I'm beginning to think he's not that smart. Hmm. He's not learning. He's He is not learning from his mistakes or settlements against him. Yeah, he's an emotionally dysregulated person who will never yeah. be emotionally regulated because he's, like, very old now. it's it, He's run out of time. This is just— Though the- I do, and, you know, it's like— there are people Taylor can defend herself, but Donald Trump declaring a holy war. I mean, the people who support him, his hardcores, are pretty nuts. And so I do think we need to protect Taylor at all costs. Okay, but I say this with love. Taylor Swift fans equally insane. Insane for uh, the, for good. Insane, but not dangerous. They're not, not gonna, dangerous. They're not, the Taylor Swift fans are not going to storm any government buildings. That's what I'm talking about. They're Taylor's, not going to climb scaffolding. Well, they might no. to climb scaffolding to take a selfie with her, but not to like you know, not to cause to property Congress. destruction as as an end in and of itself. Um, but you know, Taylor Swift. I think that Donald Trump supporters and any strategist that's trying to usher Donald Trump to victory in 2024 should be concerned about. Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift fans, they are very well organized. Very. Um, they are very plugged into messages. I want them that, to do bracelets for Biden. Yeah. I mean, they, they might. We'll see. I'm sure somebody in the White House is already talking to somebody on her team about that. Um, this is all happening. So, so they're super organized. And here's how organized they are. Um, last week, fake AI-generated, deep fake mm-hmm. nudes of Taylor Swift were circulating on the website formerly known as Twitter. And Taylor Swift fans, 200,000 of them, 
organized to be like, fucking knock this off. They were so organized. They were able to get Elon Musk's Twitter to block searches for Taylor Swift for a period of time. They've only just now been reinstated. Right. Can you imagine getting him and that company to do anything pro-social whatsoever? No, nothing. Nothing. They really scared the shit out of him. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think that, you know, we were looking at her concert calendar, weren't we, for, for up to the yeah. election. I think she has some Florida dates pretty close to the election. Um, what a delicious treat that would be. That would be pretty funny if if Taylor Swift suddenly made Florida in play and all of a sudden <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden with like weeks to go before the election, days to go before the election, we've got the like RNC diverting massive amount of funds defending a state that they thought was safe. I just think that would be just very funny. I mean, if she knocked on one door. <laughs> knocks on one door, bring Mickey Mouse on stage with you, Taylor. You Anything. You, oh, my God. <laughs> Ron DeSantis would have a stroke. Oh, this is so perfect. I hope she's listening to us. Ron DeSantis would topple from his heels in a, <laughs> in a dead faint. Um, but, you know, the, this deepfake thing is, you know, we're, we're like laughing about it now. It's, it's really fucked up. It's something that I recently learned there are no federal laws against. None. No None. federal law. That's because everyone who is an elected official is old enough to get their email printed out. Like, you know what I mean? These are not people <laughs> that are, this is not a tech-savvy group of people, senators, members of Congress. And it really shows in the way that legislation is constantly trying to play catch up to evil uses of technology. Uh, enter this weird group of senators. Senators but we'll Durbin, take it. Yeah, enter, enter Senator Dick Durbin, Lindsey Graham, Amy Klobuchar, and Josh Hawley. Wow, don't want to be on that road trip. Glad they did this. They, <laughs> they introduced a bill called the Defiance Act this week that would hold accountable those responsible for the proliferation of non-consensual, sexually explicit, deepfake images and videos. That's great. We'll take it. Bipartisan effort to, like, take a step to stop Listen. deepfake porn. Aaron, Elon Musk, and Mark Zuckerberg have united the Senate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Alyssa, you were watching a hearing on Wednesday oh, morning where Aaron, a bunch of tech people are getting yelled at. It was amazing. They all came. First of all, be clear. They were all subpoenaed. Nobody showed up willingly. But Amy Klobuchar, Lindsey Graham, how often am I hooting and hollering for Lindsey Graham from the comfort of my sofa? This Never, is the first time I've ever today. heard you hoot or holler for him. It was, they basically were like, it was, I mean... I've never seen people enjoy anything so much, but they were like, Mark Zuckerberg, tell us about the controls you have in place. And Mark Zuckerberg was like, so here's the thing. If we really want to protect children, shouldn't we dump all this on Apple and make there be controls in the app store for when kids are trying to buy the apps? And Lindsey Graham was like, oh, next, and moved on. It was all of them sitting like a murderer's row of rich people who want no responsibility for putting children in harm's way. And Amy Klobuchar wore a red suit. I'm telling you, there was no stopping any of them today. It <laughs> she was, was in Tiger a Woods mode, Amy Klobuchar. She was, in, was. She was Tiger Woods Sunday round <laughs> red. Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I love watching tech CEOs get yelled at. I, I don't really think that there no amount of yelling will make up for the fact to, nobody no amount of yelling will make up for the harm that they've done to society and totally. the way that they've fucked up entire generations of people 
and uh, will continue to do so unless unless the Senate does something. So really glad that those four senators, the first time I've ever been like, good job, Josh Hawley. Get um, going, Lindsey Graham, you saucy yeah. minx. Yeah, and then, you know, Durbin and Klobuchar, we kind of expect them to, like, be on the right yeah. side of many issues. Um, but thank you guys for the Defiance Act. Yes. Um, I, this is a great start. And I hope to see that it it will pass. And we should have Amy yeah. on to talk about it at some point. We should. All right. And I am already resentful of the fact that this man is dominating so many of our political conversations. But here we are again. Um, Alyssa, I'm going to I'm going to kick off this story by asking you, does Donald Trump have eighty three million dollars? Oh, he's going to soon when they make him sell his properties. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about last week's E. Jean Carroll court victory over Donald Trump. Alyssa, take it away. Loved every minute of this. Aaron, last week, Donald Trump was ordered by a Manhattan jury to pay $83.3 million to writer E. Jean Carroll for defaming her in 2019 after she accused him of a decades-old rape. Attacks he continued in social media posts, at news conferences, and even in the midst of the trial itself. Because, as we have discussed, he has absolutely no fucking impulse control. Great quality for someone running for president. Uh, Carol's lawyers, who I love watching. You know what I love? I love her lead attorney, Roberta Kaplan, who's just throwing around those L.L. Bean bags. To me, that is a woman <laughs> who came with zero fucks and a job to do. She's like, oh, I'm not even trying to fit this in some posh leather bag. I've brought L.L. Bean to trial. Why wouldn't uh, you? It's the highest quality bag for the price by a country mile. It is. And so they, E. Jean's lawyers went in. They argued that a large award was necessary to stop Trump from continuing to attack her. And a large award she got. After less than, this is the best part. What do you think Trump did when they're like, jury's back and it's only been three hours? Um, I don't know. Um, Sherbet in his drawers like, I, like uh, he's been he doing would- over Taylor Swift. <laughs> He cannot. So the jury responded by awarding uh, Carol $65 million in punitive damages, finding that Trump had acted with malice, which we all knew. Uh, on one recent day, he had made more than 40 shitty posts about Carol on his Truth Social website. Have you ever been on Truth Social? No. Me Why neither. would I go there? Ever. Like, but I'm like, that's, no, absolutely not. Have you ever been I'm to like, the. Should I check it out? No. No. No, it's bad there. It's like if somebody holds something up to you and is like, smell this. Does this smell bad? It's like, no. I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to take mm. your word for it. I don't, need to, I don't need to fill my nasal cavity with the smell of rotten milk. Anyway. In, uh, in interviews after the, the jury's uh, decision, E. Jean talked about how she spent days and weeks leading up to this, uh, the first time she would see Trump face-to-face in decades, uh, that she was very nervous, that she couldn't find her words, that she was having a hard time eating and sleeping. And Aaron, the sweetest words we ever could have hoped to hear. She said when she actually did see him, he was nothing. He was Nothing. She said the emperor had no clothes. Hmm. Um, Some of the sort of courtroom gossip that was reported out uh, in the days after included, well, Aaron, like like the grown-up who wants to be president that Trump is, he reportedly stormed out of the courtroom at one point. 
What? <sighs> what? Literally no impulse control. Does not have any social – like he does not know how to act in mm-hmm. in any professional setting. <laughs> yeah. He absolutely doesn't know how to act. You know, I, I listened to an interview with E. Jean and – Robbie Kaplan mm-hmm. on um, on Rachel Maddow's show and her uh, Eugene's legal team basically said like they just let Trump act like himself yeah. and then like that was part of their show case. your true colors exactly that was, that was part of their case and and Trump you know there have been plenty of articles written and punditry points made about how this is where he's running his campaign he's running his campaign through the courthouse but like right. he's gonna it's, this is how he's running his campaign in court where he stands to lose tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars more. Um, I don't know if he can, like, is he going to run out of money before he finishes campaigning? Like, I mean, it'll be delicious. Well, Aaron, this is such an interesting point, too, is that, you know, disclosures are happening now. End of quarter is coming. And mm -hmm. people see how he is spending the money that they're giving him, and maybe his supporters are fine with that. But Nikki Haley's going to end up with a lot of money to spend because uh, she's not paying legal bills uh, with her supporters' cash. So, oh, man. And the lawyers aren't even good. That's the thing. Like, no. the lawyers are not. <laughs> Do you know, I was listening, Trump's uh, Trump's attorney, the lead attorney, the woman, she came out to do a press conference. And Aaron, it was like... She wasn't even an erudite, like, MAGA. She didn't even have mastery of the MAGA language. Like, she was just so unspectacular. (laughs) Nobody needs to go outside more than all Trump supporters. Go outside. Go outside. Look at some birds. Go on a walk. Go on a walk. Leave your gun at home. I know that's scary to you. Leave your gun at home. Go on a walk. Look at nature. Don't bring your phone. Don't listen to fucking Tucker Carlson or whatever it is you listen to or Charlie Kirk or whoever is claiming that, that, that Taylor Swift is an op. Come on. Anyway, and don't, also, just, just, just to like, show that what's good for the goose is good for the gander, um, I routinely go outside and I don't listen to anything crazy when I'm outside. I just listen to nature and it makes me a better person. Yes. Log off. Log off. We need Log to off. like there needs to be like a, a test that we issue we give to people to allow them access to the internet for more than three hours a week. I think like, that'd be terrific. So, like a driver's I'd license. Abide. Like a driver's <laughs> license, right? You just pass like a basic media literacy test. <sighs> okay, so final story that we're gonna get into this week. This is a, a real bummer. Um yeah. and we just missed it. We just missed it, like, when we recorded last week. It, it came out, like, the same day. But it's important, and we need to talk about it. So an analysis uh, has found that rape resulted in uh, 64,565 pregnancies in 14 U.S. states with near-total abortion bans since Roe v. Wade was overturned in June 2022. 64,565 pregnancies that were the result of rape, according to a new peer-reviewed study published last Wednesday in the medical journal JAMA. JAMA? I don't say that. JAMA? In this cross-sectional study, thousands of girls and women in states that banned abortion experienced rape-related pregnancy, but few, if any, obtained in-state abortions legally, suggesting that rape exceptions fail to provide reasonable access to abortion for survivors. Now, from what I could see, 
Uh, I couldn't tell how many births resulted from those sexual assaults. Um, So it is probable that many of them travel to other states. But it is also reasonable to assume that those that were the most disenfranchised were the least able to travel to other states, probably were forced to go through childbirth and are now more than likely raising the child of their rapist. Um, because most mothers d- don't give their children up to adoption. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really, really bad. You know, I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when Texas Governor Greg Abbott was questioned oh, about yeah. a lack of a rape exception, workable rape exception in the, his state's abortion ban. And Governor Abbott was like, no, we're just going to get rid of rape. Huh. Yeah, that's it. He's, Aaron, he was going to eradicate rape. How, where? What did you do, Greg? What happened? Well, and Aaron, in so many of these, in so many of these states too, when they say that there are exceptions for rape, they want to be able to prove you were raped before they let you have the abortion. So you have to go to the police, basically. Yes. You have to go and... to the police. You've been traumatized. You have to go to the police immediately. Um, because in some states also it needs to fall within the window. And mm-hmm. so really, they're America's doing great. Yeah. Uh, you have to go to the police. You probably have to get a rape kit performed. Most yep. sexual assaults and rapes are—the uh, perpetrators in most cases are people already known to the victim. Yep. And so in many cases, you don't, like, do you don't—maybe your first reaction is, like, this thing happened, and I don't want to make things worse by getting this person I know in trouble. And I know right. that's, like— that's just something that probably goes through people's heads. If it's a, it's a neighbor, an acquaintance, a family member, God forbid, it's just— it's so shitty, and and there is there is no actual practical application of any rape exceptions. Those things are written into laws to make people who vote for uh, cruel and awful men feel less bad about it. And this, Aaron, this is you know nearly sixty five thousand pregnancies that they know of. That they know of. That they yeah. know of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ra- uh, abortion exceptions, abortion ban exceptions, are not really exceptions. Every ban is a ban. A ban is a ban is a ban is a ban. So, you know, God forbid if we're moving toward our our federal elections in 2024 and you hear from candidates that they support a 15-week ban with exceptions, no, they don't. They support a ban. They support a ban is a ban. There no exceptions actually in practical, like on the ground actually play out. And it's it's really awful and it's really sad and it really sucks to have to think about this all the time, but here we are. America here we are. 2024. All right. And one final piece of news, speaking of Texas, to round out news this week. So we released a new this fucking guy this week, Ken Paxton. Delicious. AG of Texas. You can find it on YouTube. It's just, we just get to talk about a whole bunch of awful shit. We had so much awful shit about Ken Paxton. We had to banger. cut. We had to cut stuff. He has had a decades-long career of being, I don't mean mean awful like, I don't mean awful like, whoa, he's so powerful. I mean, like, he's ineffective. He's a shit heel. He's a petty thief. He's a petty thief. He stole a $1,000 pen and then was like, whoops, I thought it was mine. No, you didn't, Ken. You knew it wasn't yours. You knew it wasn't yours, you fucking liar. Um, He's a really bad person, and we got to, to kind of go into some of the many ways in which he's bad and makes people's lives worse in Texas and elsewhere. Um, but we do have an update in 
our video on YouTube, we say that Ken Paxton was supposed to be deposed in a whistleblower lawsuit, uh, which is the same case that led to him being impeached and acquitted by the Texas State Senate in 2023. Um, That deposition was just blocked by the Texas Supreme Court. Temporarily blocked. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, But it seems like the Texas Supreme Court, yeehaw, in the pocket of the Attorney General Ken Paxton, who is arguing that the whistleblower law in Texas doesn't apply to the Attorney General. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, so we'll keep you updated. He is such a fucking piece of shit that it's really hard to not report on everything he gets away with and doesn't get away with because there's a lot, a lot that he's gotten away with. Too much. Too much. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, an exciting update from Vote Save America. Okay, to close out news, we wanted to share some updates from the Crooked Front. We're excited to have Crooked Media's VP of Political Strategy and certified BFF of the show, Shaniqua Mm -hmm. McClendon, to talk about some exciting Vote Save America things we've got cooking up this election year. So, Shaniqua... It's only the crack of February, (laughs) and November feels like it's 27 years away. Is there anything really to do right now? There's a lot to do. So people probably remember George Santos got expelled from Congress last year. And so there's a special election happening in New York for the third district. Uh, So that is something you can do. Um, But I should start with saying, you know, not every progressive organization is as lucky as us. We have an audience that just always wants to do stuff. Um, So there are a lot of people in our Vote Save America community who have really centered civic engagement in their life. And so they want to do things. But to your point, there are actually things for them to do. Um, There are California primaries going on right now. And that matters a lot because California has um, a jungle primary system where two Republicans could, in theory, make it to the general election. So helping out now will make sure that at least one Democrat makes it to the general election. Um, And then there are special elections in the Pennsylvania House that will um, help in November with um, having majority in the House. So lots of stuff for people to plug into now, but then just general stuff like voter registration um, and just starting to talk to voters early so they don't feel like someone just started talking to them in in October. Shaniqua, there are a lot of candidates who will eventually ask for money. Why should people give now and give to organizations instead of candidates? So something that I'm not sure a lot of people are paying attention to but might have a sense of is that progressive fundraising is down a lot. Um, After Trump won, a lot of people were investing in the organizations that were trying to get rid of him. But since Trump has been defeated um, and some of the uh, feelings around Roe, which I don't think feelings around Roe being overturned have gone anywhere, but the money attached to those feelings has definitely um, gone down. A lot of organizations don't have the resources they need to to start this year off. Also, more people start paying attention as an election year goes on. So um, that's actually why we started the Anxiety Relief Fund. Um, In moments (laughs) like this, when people are not getting the resources they need, that can create anxiety for our partners who are doing this important work. But also when people are trying to figure out where do I give this money if they have it to give, it can be overwhelming. We get lots of texts, calls and emails about where people should give their money. And we are pretty much taking uh, the guesswork out of that for people. So we have a lot of organizations we work with. We've vetted them. 
and uh, we they tell us what they need in the moment. And so we're able to, we're going to direct the funds of that program. And it's pretty easy. You go to our website, uh, votesaveamerica.com. It will be the first thing that pops up. You pick a dollar amount that you're comfortable giving every month, and uh, we will give that to grassroots organizations. And every month, at the end of the month, we'll send a note out to let people know um, how much we gave and who we're giving it to. And 100% of the donations will go to, to the organizations. And as of now, we have 250 people who have signed up to become sustaining grassroots donors, which is like more than we expected so quickly. And so we're really close to our end of week goal, our kind of launch week goal. So would definitely encourage people who can to sign up uh, with what they can give. And if not, or in addition to also find some actions that you can take. And what, Shaniqua, what to do if you aren't in a position to give money right now? How else can you help? Yeah. So, I mean, volunteering is a really important way. We have a new action finder on our website, and you can pretty much tell us how you want to get involved. Do you want to do it virtually? Do you want to do it in person? Let us know where you live, and we can tailor um, the actions that come up based on what you want to do. So, yeah, you can use our new action finder to literally find what the best opportunity is for you to plug in. But money is important, but so is time. That is not something that we have unlimited amounts of. And so if you can provide that, it's uh, helpful. But also just, you know, I know people say social media doesn't matter, but it is where a lot of people get their information. So sharing content like the, you know, the news that you all talk about during the news segment, um, information that we're putting out on Vote Save America's Instagram or other social platforms, like getting that information in front of people who don't follow politics, that does not take long, but it can be very impactful in passing uh, and furthering those um, those messages. Shaniqua, it looks like Vote Save America has gotten a little makeover. Can you tell us what's new? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, we have this action finder um, and, and we have this new anxiety relief um, program, but literally it just, it's, it's a literal facelift, you know, something... I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but something in 2018 that we were really focused on with the website was the user experience and making sure that it was really easy to use and people could navigate it to find what they needed very quickly. Admittedly, in 2020, I think it was mostly because of COVID and we had to shift so many things after our site was built. We had to add all this new stuff to make sure people had the information. It became kind of clunky. And things that are clunky, people don't like to use it, which means we're not getting as many volunteers and donors um, and people who are seeking out information through the site the way they need to be. So we've restored that. We have a lot of pictures of our volunteers who really just power everything that we're doing. Um, and yeah, everything is easy to find. Um, but definitely our um, our action finder is, it just really streamlines our volunteer process before it took a few extra steps for people to figure out what they want to do. Um, another cool feature Depending on where you live, if you just type in votesaveamerica.com, you will uh, end up on your state page with um, a little geolocation thing. That might not be the right term for it. Um, but again, so that we can get you to the most impactful things as soon as possible, um, as soon as you get to the site. Shaniqua, I am super excited to play with the VSA site. Um, I will be doing that during my workday when I should be working today. That's work. That's, work. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is work. Shaniqua McClendon, thank you so much for joining us, and congrats on the facelift relaunch of Vote Save America. Thank you. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch 
enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I or, love that for Viore. Is that, you know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. <laughs> it is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> five the, stars. No five, comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring. And I don't show show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Tis the month of love. Who doesn't love comfortable shapewear? Support for today's episode comes from Honeylove. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. But it doesn't stop there. Honeylove has more than just sculptware. They also have incredibly comfortable bras, tanks, and leggings for everyday support. I gotta say, I love sleeping in a bra. You do! Honeylove makes one that doesn't feel like it's stabbing you in the middle of the night. It's just (laughs) comfy. It's like a nice little hug. And you know what I love? I love the leggings under my uh, nightgown because I love to wear a nightgown, but I don't like my legs to stick together when I sleep. And they're like the perfect <laughs> weight. You can wear Honey Love leggings out during the day or you can put them under your Lands of Salzburg nightgown so that in case of evacuation in the middle of the night, which I always fear, you are fully ready to go. Anything can be pajamas with the right amount of confidence. That's exactly. what I always say. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash hysteria. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash hysteria. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it. 
This podcast is sponsored by Jovi. When it comes to pain from period cramps, you have to try Jovi. Jovi is a 100% drug-free patch that relieves pain from menstrual cramps and so much more. It is a reusable, flexible patch that helps to reduce the impact of pain from just about anywhere you're feeling it during every phase of your menstrual cycle. Purchase Jovi once and get an entire year of relief. With Jovi, you simply pinpoint the pain, place the Jovi patch, and then power through your period. There's no refills or wires needed. Uh, we have a prompt in here, Alyssa, to talk about what's unpleasant about period cramps. I'm just going to oh. say I love them. I think they're Oh, great. do you? Do <laughs> no. You? I no. can't tell you. Period cramps give me diarrhea. Period cramps then give me constipation. Period Ew. cramps stop me from doing normal things during the day. But you know what helps? The Jovi patch. It's true, Aaron. Stops the cramps around my uterus. Stops my lower back, like my lower back cramps. It is really, uh, it is a delight, and uh, it's very comfortable. I get grouchy a lot about how little effort has been put into addressing problems faced by the entire menstruating population, aka Listen. about half the population. A little bit, you know, yes. maybe uh, maybe a third of the population menstruates. Uh, and I so appreciate that Jovi has made something that is so easy to use and so effective at tackling this super common but debilitating and unpleasant problem that so many of us face. Jovi has helped tens of thousands of women thrive through every day of their cycles. If you want to become one of them, head to meetjovi.com slash hysteria and use code hysteria for 40% off your order. That's right, 40% off. Once again, that's meetjovi.com slash hysteria for 40% off. Make sure you use our promo code hysteria. All right. Welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who think that being, quote, alone with reality TV and your cats sounds like a pretty top-notch Friday evening. What are you doing? You throwing shade at me? I, no, I dream of <laughs> solitude. I dream of being left alone by my goddamn kid <laughs> who loves me so much that I consider taking out a restraining order on her sometimes. <laughs> um, no, the, you know, let women live. That's all I'm saying. Let us let live. Us live. Just let me cuddle up with Norm and watch 90 Day Fiance, Sweden, <laughs> whatever. I, I want it to get good again, Alyssa. I want 90 I know. Day Fiance we to get good again. We need a new season. We're almost there. We're like okay. two days to the weddings. We're almost there to a new <gasps> season. I need a new season of 90 Day and I need some time alone. No, my husband's pretty good about giving me alone time, but it, you're never really alone if you know people are coming home in like an hour. A hundred percent. It's not. You need like a stretched out, wide open Friday night, couch, cats, TV, the dream. Okay, so a recent piece in the Financial Times presented some surprising and disheartening data. There's actually a yawning gap between young men and women when it comes to political ideology. The alleged progressivism of Gen Z, actually not generation-wide, that's due in large part to young women. Meanwhile, young men are more conservative than even men in older generations. Yikes. We got a bunch of 23-year-old crotchety grouches in the male population. We got some 23-year-old Archie Bunkers. Exactly. And this isn't something that's just constrained to the U.S. This is happening globally. So I find it super fascinating. We're, we're, we're seeing this happening globally at the same time that birth rates are dropping, that marriage rates are dropping, mm -hmm. and we've got all these people saying, like, women, fix it. Um, but is it up to us? 
Why? No. Should we fix it? No. I am, I am really excited to bring in our guest today. Our guest today is a journalist who primarily writes about gender and women's issues. Hey, that's our wheelhouse, too. You can read her work in The New Yorker, The Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, and more. Anna Louise Sussman, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you for having me. So, Anna, what do you think about the recent Financial Times piece and the accompanying data about the ideological divide between young men and women? It's something that has been happening actually for years. I remember I was in Poland in 2019 reporting on a number of things, including abortion rights, um, the fact that women, single women couldn't get access uh, to IVF, including women who had already done some cycles before the law changed and then couldn't access their own embryos that were in storage, and also about the um, Polish government's efforts to raise the birth rates by giving... Um, sending people a monthly bonus, you know, a, a monthly check if they had children. Um, and around that time, a poll came out showing that, um, as has been the trend, uh, young men were increasingly voting for very far-right parties or identifying, you know, far-right positions, and young women were increasingly voting for the left and the Green Party. And I remember thinking that, um, you know, policy efforts to reverse the birth rate decline were just going to go nowhere if women and men... Um, you know, straight women and men couldn't get past a first date or, you know, never connected at all. Like that, that, um, you know, and I at the time was single and trying to date and also having, you know, a challenging time, not because I, I live in New York City, which is a, a mostly progressive, you know, part of the, um, the nation, but, you know, just, just not, not really finding anyone I connected with. But I remember thinking, well, if someone, you know, has really deeply divergent values, um, it, it's just, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's a, I think a famous Washington political marriage, you, you probably know who I'm talking about, you know, where I think the um, guy is a Democrat and the, the woman's a James but, Carville you know, and Mary Matlin. Yeah, James and Mary. That, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's, I, you know, I don't, well, first of all, that that's the reverse. But also I don't <laughs> think that that is increasingly common because of how polarized the parties themselves have become. Um, and then more recently I was able to do some reporting in um, South Korea uh, where it's really extreme. And I think one of the interesting questions, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on it, is, um, and it's, it's something I hope to do more reporting on, is how this starts. Because young people, um, you know, like they go to co-ed nursery schools and primary schools, typically. So where does this alienation and lack, lack of trust and kind of suspicion of the other gender come from? I mean, I think that's what's really disturbing. Do you actually think it would be better if there were gender-specific schools? Like, if dudes didn't realize how smart the girls were by the time they were ready to graduate, <laughs> they might not feel so threatened? You know, this is something the right has been talking about for a long time, that schools oh are geared towards girls. You know, that um, Christina Hoff Summers has been writing about this for a while. And I do, you know, there is a lot of data that women outperform uh, men academically. Um, you know, and the, the question is, is this because of the way schools are set up? But, you know, then even that is like, where does the, where does the resentment um, kick in? Where does the suspicion kick in and the mistrust? Like in, in Korea, for example, um, I interviewed a lot, probably 40 or 50 young women, and um, a lot of them, you know, were suspicious of men and patriarchy because... Um, they'd seen domestic abuse in their own homes, or mm -hmm. they'd seen how much better their younger brothers were treated. So it was often younger brothers because if the family had a girl first, they would try again for a boy because <laughs> oh, it was important to have a boy. 
you know, and then they would say, well, I'm the older one, but I still have to like wait on my brother. You know, I have to bring him food. I have to, I mean, obviously older siblings look after younger siblings. That's not unusual, but you know, there was, they felt clearly that there was even discrimination in their own home. And so, you know, that explains their, um, feminism and the, you know, their sort of awakening. And, you know, I think a lot of it clicked for, for some of these women when they saw things that came after me too, you know, South Korea had its own, it wasn't on the exact same timeline and there were very different um, issues that they were, that women were angry about and protesting in addition to harassment, um, you know, the sort of workplace harassment and things that define me too. But um, the, the mistrust and the distrust is on both sides and it's, Mm -hmm. it's actually really heartbreaking. I mean, I, I've started to kind of think of it as just a crisis in heterosexuality. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Also, I'm sure you've read the book Kim Ji Young, Born 1982, mm-hmm. which was yeah. a, a fiction book that was published in South Korea, I want to say like eight or nine years ago at this point, and it was translated into English. And it's sort of like this story of this average South Korean woman and the way that her life looked and the emptiness that she found in the trajectory that was like prescribed to her as a girl. Uh, You're born, you take care of the men in your family, you marry into a family, you take care of his whole family, and you work outside Mm -hmm. the home. And and I feel like, you know, South Korea and the U.S., it's not obviously one-to-one. South Korea, I think, has the lowest birth rate in the world at this point. Mm -hmm. There was a a puff piece in the New York Times that several people sent me this week that was like, they've got these postpartum luxury suites where you get to stay for three (laughs) weeks after you have kids. It's like, yeah, your life fucking sucks after that. You leave the postpartum Mm -hmm. luxury suite and it sucks. Yeah, that's a real cliff to fall off of. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> yeah, you go home and it's like, okay, now you got to take care of everybody forever. I uh, I, I, I know th- there's one of those in New York that costs something like $1,000 a night. Um, but, oh I, but I remember when, th- when the New York Times piece came out, I remember thinking, you know, for a country that has some, some shocking number, I, I wish I had it in front of me, but they have a really, really paltry number of births per year is almost like you could count them on two hands, you know, in a country of 59 million people. And I remember thinking, you should have a party for every woman, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and treat her to like, you know, three weeks at the plaza or, you know, the Mandarin Oriental if you're going to, yeah, make it so difficult for her to have a life. And, um, and, And, you know, I think people are really, you know, a lot of women said to me, in this case, we we have choices now, and we're opting out. You know, there's mm-hmm. a whole movement um, called the Four No's. They're saying no to dating, no to sex with men, and no to marriage, and no to childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and this is probably the more extreme, you know, version of um, Korean feminism. But it's uh, interesting because it didn't, you know, I'll say as someone who, I mean, I have... Um, I joke that some of my best friends are men. Um, but, you know, I, I, m- most of my close friends who live in New York, uh, most of my close male friends, unfortunately, don't live in the same city as I do. Um, but, you know, I, I spend a lot of time around women. And, you know, the idea of, like, I, it's not something chosen. It is sort of what has happened. But, um, you know, I feel like these women are living in a kind of um, intentional uh separatist mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. um you know I, for, for me it's more incidental um but i felt a certain kinship or a familiarity as i listened to them describe their lives and um i feel like if you 
look on I don't spend I have to be honest I don't spend that much time online or like especially in the congratulations um, that's great you You know (laughs) like uh, Twitter I mean sorry TikTok or Instagram I do Twitter a little bit but um from what I understand you know there's also a lot of like the way that algorithms filter people out you know you see that women and men are inhabiting different parts of the internet I mean obviously Mm -hmm. like Andrew Tate's followers are majority male you know there's a lot of content such as yours that's geared towards women um you know it seems like there's these ideological bubbles Mm -hmm. um divided by gender in a way that's uh you know, again, it's it's really disturbing, and it, there doesn't seem to be an in real life counterpart where um, you can like people can come together and actually start to see each other as humans. Mm-hmm. I I agree. I also think that the Tate verse and you know the mm-hmm. the sort of more toxic and angry corners of TikTok that are like the angry wife averse, which is another <laughs> corner that I, um, it all seems to be like a symptom of something larger, which to Mm. me is that men were raised to believe they would get the same deal that their dads got, which is that their job was to leave the house and earn money, earn 100% of the money for the household, and then they come home and they get to take, they're done with work, they get to take a break. And their wife is always working. She is working to look after the house. She's working to look after the kids. When they get home, when the husband gets home, she's preparing him a meal. She's taking care of everything. She is working 24 hours a day, seven days a week on maintaining the home in addition to possibly working outside the home. And the dad just has to work outside the home. And he was able to earn enough money doing that to justify him kicking his feet back, you know, or kicking back when he gets home. And that's just not available anymore as well. And by nature of him earning all the money, was able to make all the decisions. Yeah, around that money, yes. Right. And right. The, and, and beyond, But beyond that, as wealth is concentrated into fewer and fewer hands and there were fewer jobs available where anybody could be a provider, the value that a man who does the, – the value a man introduces to a home when he does not contribute – to the raising of children and the keeping of the home equally doesn't justify the amount of work the woman is doing. D- does that make any sense? And, and like, I also think that a lot of women are, maybe you've seen this, Anna, women are kind of talking to each other now in ways mm-hmm. that they weren't talking to each other before. In your reporting, have you found that women have connected to communities online that have made them realize that the whole setup stinks for them? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a friend of mine um, who is married turned me on to a community um, that's based around a writer. um, I think it's called Liberating Motherhood. Um, You know, and there's a lot of Facebook groups where people, um, you know, write about their marriage, complain about their marriage. And the women in the group will say, you know what, actually, what's happening to you is that's called marital rape, and you should leave your husband or, you know, that's, that's financial abuse and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a crime and you should leave your husband, you know, so there, there are definitely places now where people can find support and not have to experience what they're going through in isolation. Um, that's a big part of it. And, you know, it's funny what you mentioned about um, the generational thing. I mean, in Korea where, you know, the, the, the two earner home um, household hasn't been as standard for as long as it has been in the U S um, one young woman said to me, you know, young men today see their dad's life and there's, they say, well, I, I want that life, what you just described, you know, a provider, and then he's got a wife who's taking care of everything. Um, and they think, you know, that if I just 
go work hard and get a job. I'll get a beautiful wife. But she said, but that's not your prize for working hard. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not what you get, you know, if you, if it, just because you have a job. Um, you know, and then I think men, you know, I want, I want to be also sensitive to the fact that men also feel a lot of prof- uh, pressure to provide. And they, they also feel, um, you know, not seen as human beings. They seen it. They're they feel seen as only providers, which is mm. unpleasant for everyone. Like I remember a friend of mine who um, worked for a long time in financial services. Like he he was saying that when he went out on dates in New York, um, that women, you know, see, clearly seemed excited about his earning potential in a way that made him feel like they were less interested in getting to know him as a person. It was really eye-opening for me. This must have been at 2010, 2011, something like that, because um, I always thought that women were the ones who got used in relationships, you know, namely for, like, you know, more men were more interested in them physically than, you know, getting to know them emotionally or um, what their personalities were like. Um, And learning that men experience that same sort of invisibility on a date, you know, in in, in favor of just being seen for one thing that they could offer um, was, it was sad to hear. And I, and he was, he's a really wonderful person. And um, that was, that was kind of eye-opening for me. That's really interesting. I I feel like there's Okay, and a lot of this coverage we're seeing, like, oh, we need women need to lower their standards. There was this Washington Post piece that came out, mm. Anna. I'm Oof. sure you saw. <laughs> yeah, that was like Ooh. women do the blah blah blah. Ooh. But here's the thing, like, I, I I feel like right now we're in a situation where biologically, like, life is made inside of the woman's body. If mm-hmm. you want to pass, if you want to have children, if you're a man. You have to mm-hmm. get a woman to want to have kids with you. Um, mm-hmm. And the only way to get into a position where women are, or where men and women are getting married and men and women are having children, mm-hmm. which, you know, and an antinatalist would say, we don't want mm-hmm. that. But if you're somebody who wants society to continue mm-hmm. uh, through your life <laughs> into your mm-hmm. old age, you probably should want and mm-hmm. support people having children. But the thing is, like, women don't need, I don't know, maybe I'm just a little bit, I don't know, I'm going to sound like a bitch. Um, women don't need to do anything. We don't need to do anything. The arrangement as it stands right now does not add a net benefit to women's lives. So why do they need to go out? Why do women need to go out of their way to lower the standards for the life that they want rather than expecting the people that depend on them to create life and create society and create civilization? Those people need to make it a more appealing choice. Like, and the only way around making it, okay, you can make it a more appealing choice or you can re-oppress women like they did in Poland. And we all saw how that turned out. Anna, how did it turn out in Poland? Um, it, it was uh, not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> really not. Um, you know, there, well, first of all, women reacted. And actually, if you looked at the protests, it wasn't only women. Um, there were huge, huge, huge protests. And recently, um, you know, a more left-leaning party was elected back into office after eight years. And, um, you know, the self-managed abortion really took off. Um, there's a group that um, helps women learn how to self-manage their abortions. Their hotline number was graffitied all over Poland. People took out billboards. Someone um, spray-painted the phone number on the door of a Catholic church. Uh, An MP read it aloud in Parliament. I mean, you know, women were really intent on supporting one another and maintaining their reproductive rights. 
Um, you know, that Washington Post article didn't just tell women to lower their standards. It told them to date and marry um, men who identify with a party that is intent on taking away their reproductive autonomy. So I think that's an even bigger ask than like, oh, he doesn't like make the bed or, you know, right, the right. sink is kind of dirty or like he doesn't t- put down the toilet seat or, you know, I mean, th- to me, that's a f- really, really fundamental clash of values that I don't think it's realistic um, to ask women. I, you know, I, where I see um, some um, divergence and some sort of, how do I put this? So, okay, I'll tell a story instead, and we can interpret it together. Um, <laughs> I was contacted once on OkCupid, so you can, uh, you can now tell how long ago um, this <laughs> was. I met uh, my husband on OkCupid. Yeah, I know. People used to, well, I thought OkCupid was nice because you, you wrote things. Yeah. It wasn't just like the baseball card format, which right. is, you know, to me, to me, there's a lot to be said about how that has, I think, alienated women and men and, you know, sort of objectified people um, even further that just the, the actual format of dating. Um, but a woman reached out to me and said, I have a, a dating, um, a matchmaking service. And um, I think you'd be a good fit for some of our male clients. And it's a feminist matchmaking service. And here's some press coverage of us. And I said, okay, fine. I mean, what could be more unpleasant than what I'm doing now? Like, well, let's give it a try. And um, she said, okay, so what are you looking for? You know, we met at the uh, bar and she said, what are you looking for? And she had a notebook and a little form. What are you looking for in a person? And I said, um, nice, smart, and funny. And she said, okay, great. She wrote that down. And she said, tell me about yourself. Okay, yada, yada, yada. And then she, then she started going through this checklist. Um, well, okay, minimum height. You know, I said, oh gosh. And then she said, minimum income. Um, you know, and I, I can't remember what I was making at the time, but I just said the equivalent, like $70,000 or, you know, something like that. And, um, and for height, I think, because my dad was really short, I'm short. I, I said, I think I said 4'11", but, you know, like, I, with, some, with some flexibility, right? Like, I was like, and then she said, any races you won't go out with? And then finally I said, I have a question for you. Like, like first of all, it's ni- it's hard enough to meet nice, smart, and funny in one single person. Um, like, the idea that I would rule out, like, you know, like, oh, no Puerto Ricans. Like, New York is like, <laughs> you know, like, what? Like, why would you say something? Like, why would you rule out a whole, you know, group of people? I mean, I'll, I'll say that I don't have, like, pressure from my parents, you know, from my my family to marry, um, you know, someone of my background. So I, I understand that that's important for some people or, or um, you know, is relevant for their religion or something. But I, I, I just thought it was, then I said, do, do people really ask for, you know, XYZ height. She said, oh, yeah, most um, most women ask for six feet tall, uh, brown hair, um, you know, at least like $500,000. I, I just thought, my gosh. Whoa. Um, <laughs> you know, like if you look at one of those uh, charts of, you know, the average height distribution, yeah. it's like, the, you know, you the, uh, there's just going to be a lot of people who aren't, you're, you're, if, if, right. if you filter really out, care yeah. about that. Unless you're in like the um, Netherlands. And, that's how tall they are there, but sure, like, Norway, right? Yeah. Move to Norway. Yeah, but, it's super um, easy to do that. By the way, they love they love bringing people. They in. love immigration. They love immigration. Yeah. <laughs> Soup's easy, especially if well, you don't speak Norwegian. The the Nordics are all having a birth rate crisis too. So I feel like if they were smart, um, they would take some of these piggy New York women. They, you know, <laughs> Norwe- Norwegians earn pretty well too, but um, you know, it's it's 
I, I do think there's a mismatch on both sides. I think both in terms of, you know, people's expectations, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of life or, um, you know, the, the men think they're going to get and, and what kind of, you know, man, women seem like it. I'm curious what you think. I mean, to me, there's been a lot of evolution, um, in gender roles, um, but I feel like certain expectations are sort of are, have been more rigid. You know, I feel like. Yeah, I what, mean, what do you think? I I think that those high standards are maybe women who are like, this is what a person would have to be to improve my life as it is right now. Yeah, mm. I For have me a to good make life. Right, exactly. Mm. And it, I don't think it's necessarily a sign of them being like unrealistic. I think maybe it's just being like, this is what would improve my life. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, might be, m- maybe it's just like unrealistic that somebody who has that standard of life improvement t- mm-hmm. would pick a partner. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that it only is something that is like sad and needs to be fixed if th- these, if these people <laughs> think that their life is bad, but mm-hmm. the only way that they'll change their life is if this perfect person comes around to change their life. I don't think that that's the case anymore. I think that it is. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of models. You know, you hear a lot of like manosphere pushback that's like, you're going to die alone. And it's like, no, women are taught how to build their own social networks. Women are going to die in a Golden Girls situation. Yes. And they're going to have like really, <laughs> <laughs> really good apps served at their funeral by their old lady roommates who all have like go-to recipes they've been perfecting for je- for decades. But like, <laughs> but it's also like, I think what we're seeing is, uh, I, I think that we need to, see, we're seeing like, we're, this generation right now sees the potential of their lives and they were not raised into that potential. So like mm-hmm. boys were raised for a reality that no longer exists in many cases. Like they were raised to be taken care of. They were raised to never have to really know how to cook because their wife is going to do all that stuff. And I think mm-hmm. like the other the flip side of that is there are some women who are raised to never have to learn how to do like household finances, like do their own banking, do their own investing, earn their own money. I think that's less of a problem than men not being raised to take care of themselves. That's and and that mm. I think it seem I think it happens more dramatically in certain pockets of American culture than others. Um but I think that's what we're seeing. Men who don't have the tools. Absolutely. No, I I think you're right and um I think there's two things. I mean, I would say if you look at the concentration of um you know, the highest paying jobs, like a lot of them really actually are still held by men. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I became a solo parent and there's part of me that's like, well, if I, if that was the plan, if I was going to be the family wage earner, um, then why the fuck did I become a journalist? Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I think there was some part of me that was like, well, you know, I'll meet someone and we'll be a two income household. Um, you know, and it will at least be like, a little, you know, there'll be some, Net pot, you know, um, marginal improvement on my journalist salary. And I do think if you look around, like I'll just speak to what I know best, which is New York City, you see a lot of women concentrated in creative professions. I mean, journalism is very, very female dominated now because it's a collapsing dumpster fire of an industry. Mm-hmm. So we're sort of all gla- glass cliffing it like <laughs> into the um, valley below. We're like, you know, broken glass and um, flames await us. Um, but um, 
you know, and men still um, dominate tech and finance and, you know, corporate jobs. And um, it's, you know, it's, it, there is still something to, to the fact that it's, women can support, like, I was very comfortable supporting myself, but supporting a family and a child, you know, now with my daughter, it's, that's a whole different story. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a different amount of money (laughs) that you need. But I think we're also missing the fact that, like, I, you know, I'll say this for myself, and I'll say this for a lot of women I know, they would just like companionship. Like, Mm -hmm. it would be nice to have romance. It would be nice to fall in love with someone. It'd be nice to think that, like, oh, there's a person out there where, like, we really connect and we really make each other laugh and we really can, like, goof around and, you know, we're attracted to one another. Um, I feel like there's a lot of people looking for that, um, you know, in addition to, like, their rich friendships and their active cultural and social life. Like, you know, I, I don't think... It's um, an either or for a lot of women, but Mm -hmm. they are, you know, looking and not finding Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. And it's your point. Just Mm -hmm. I didn't get a boyfriend who is now my husband. Mm. I didn't I didn't Mm -hmm. date for all the years I had roommates Mm. because I loved my roommates and I had the companionship. You know, I wasn't lonely. I wasn't looking for anyone to come and and hang out with mm-hmm. because I had Ferial and Juliana and we had a great time. Mm-hmm. And then when I lived right. on my own, I was like, maybe I should date. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, in my case, my parents had a really loving marriage. And I always just thought, and my late father was a humor writer, and I always thought that would be fun to wake up every day and just like laugh all day with someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't push that out of bed. You know, that sounds like... A good deal, but um, <laughs> they're not that. I didn't find a lot of funny. Truly, I mean, part of the problem is my sense of humor is really dark, and you can't like, <laughs> can't always lead lead with that on a first date. But I didn't feel like I really found anyone who. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's that's hard. It's hard, and and I think that now, maybe just more women communicating with each other, we see how bad it can be to be with the wrong partner. That it's almost like. Uh, I do want to have a partner, but I want them to be the right partner, and I'm not going to settle on someone who could be the wrong partner because, you know, I've got XYZ friend who married someone that they should not have married. They're Mm. fucking miserable. You know, it's it's seeing a bad marriage, either your parents' bad marriage, friends' bad marriage, whatever, is enough to put people who are, especially if they're like, I don't want to say old or like, you know, you're an old lady or anything, but like somebody who is more established and had time to live on their own has a little bit more of a clear-headed place to look at marriage from or companionship from. And it's like, I don't know, like having the wrong partner is even worse by a lot than not having a partner at all. And and Anna, to your point of uh, becoming a solo parent, in my circle of friends in Los Angeles, parent friends, there's like three moms that made the same call. They, you know, hit their late 30s. They were like, I really want to have a kid. I hope I, I hoped I'd have a partner, but it just didn't that's just not what happened and so now they're raising kids by themselves and sort of have like formed this little village to help each other so maybe on the bottom of the glass cliff that we're all about to fall off of maybe (laughs) there's like some sort of momtopia (laughs) where we all live in like tiny houses and share a communal space because that sounds super fun so anna do you think that ultimately this is about men being threatened by women's economic power or men being unwilling to step into the feminine sphere of, of the home and family? 
Uh, I think it's um, a mix of things, and I really think it depends on the man. Um, I think, you know, you do see in some marriages, there's a lot more egalitarianism. And, you know, a lot of men, I think, especially those who are parents, would tell you that they love being parents, and it's fun to hang out with their kids, and that having a meaningful um, egalitarian relationship and a wife that they're proud of, um, you know, and being able to support her and her accomplishments is is really fulfilling and really satisfying and like a win for everyone. Um, and yeah, and then there's a lot of people, I think, who feel um, serious resentment, who feel like they can't compete in a labor market that increasingly uh, demands a college degree. And um, so many uh, of those college degrees are going to women now. And that is absolutely, um, you know, generating a lot of resentment and a lot of unhappiness. And, um, you know, I wish there was a way for our economy to be more fair to everyone. I think it's it's a really brutal, what we call like a barbell economy, you know, with a, some jobs at the very high end that pay a lot and um, a lot of low wage um, jobs that don't get a lot of respect or, um, you know, sort of aren't valued socially. And then there's very little in the middle these days. Um, and some of the faster growing jobs, as I'm sure listeners know, you know, are in healthcare, um, they're, you know, in education, they're um, what they're, what are called the HEAL, um, H-E-A-L, you know, as opposed to STEM fields. And those are female dominated. And um, it's not clear that men necessarily want to take like a pink collar job. Um, although there is interesting data, I believe when men go into nursing, they somehow wind up earning more <laughs> um, you know, than, than women. But you know, there, there, there are some, you know, I, someone I interviewed for a book that I'm working on is uh, a nurse and um, he just loves his profession. He said, you know, I sit with people at their bedside and I know that I've made a difference in their life. And their families tell me that, you know, their their relative wouldn't have healed as quickly if it weren't for my care and mm -hmm. i and i know that i'm doing you know what i'm supposed to be doing and so you know i feel like it's um it's not necessarily uh the kind of job that a man would be socialized to do but it's it's also um it can be really rewarding for the right person so i think it really depends on who you're talking to you know how they find their path and i just wish there were more um more of these paths to jobs that people, you know, that were stable living wage jobs and that people found satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it just seems like the patriarchy and the rigid gender roles that mm -hmm. it prescribes as a result are choking future generations by by making it very narrow the way that men can express themselves and express their masculinity. And um showing women that it is limiting in a in a value subtract when they choose a path sometimes of, of motherhood. So I guess the solution is we got to get rid of the patriarchy. Turns out. Probably? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get rid of it uh, during this break. We're going to take a quick break. <laughs> when we come back, when we come back, Anna Louise Sussman, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. When we come back from the break, we've got Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty.
Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at a dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. Beyonce, Katanji Brown-Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, The Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color-founded companies. For a limited time, the SheCommerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids' books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life, maybe that's yourself, to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. Did you know that women make up 56% of law students? That's grounds for bragging rights at the dinner table for your conservative uncle who still thinks women belong in the kitchen. It's clear that the future of the legal field is female. So why are so many legal podcasts and reviews authored by men? Hi, I'm Leah Littman. I'm Kate Shaw. And with Melissa Murray, we are the hosts of Strict Scrutiny. Each week, we break down the latest headlines and biggest legal questions facing our country through the lens of diverse voices to give you expert views you won't hear anywhere else. Strict Scrutiny is your guide to the Supreme Court. New episodes drop every Monday, plus bonuses whenever the Supreme Court takes away another one of our rights. Make sure to subscribe to Strict Scrutiny wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who are celebrating Groundhog Day 2024 by nominating the same two presidential candidates and watching the same two teams in the Super Bowl as they did in 2020. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. I don't need, maybe we're just, maybe 2024 is a redo of 2020. It's like what a year could have been had the pandemic not hit. Could you imagine? I guess I got a wedding to plan. You would have had a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) I just need I'd had a wedding. I'd have been there. You would have been there. Yeah, we would have had a Korean barbecue at the reception. Oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. I did still get to wear the the dresses, plural. I had two dresses. I still got to wear them, but it was like not the same. But anyway, uh, go 49ers. That's Yeah. And you know what? I, I posted this, but I need there to be many cutaway shots to my music boyfriend, Bob Weir of the Grateful Dead, who is a huge 49ers fan and is on going to be on the sidelines. And I need to make sure that I get I get some shot. I need some I need some Weir love <laughs> on during this Super Bowl. You know what? The coin hmm. that they flip to determine who gets possession of the ball first, um, should have Taylor Swift on one side and Great And Bobby on the other. other. Absolutely. Yes. But I want to say, I felt really like, the only one who pointed that out was Relics Magazine. And I was like, yes, I need Bobby. All right, before we get to Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty, some announcements for the class. It's 2024 and there's so much to do, but it's hard to know where to start. 
If your decision paralysis has set in, it's now easier than ever to find the volunteer opportunities that are right for you with Vote Save America's brand new Action Finder. You can tell VSA the causes you care about. They'll tell you the most high-impact ways to get involved from your state all the way to the White House. Call it the cure for doom scrolling. Go to votesaveamerica.com slash volunteer to get started. Okay, let's talk about Sandy Petty. Can I go first, Alyssa? I've got yes, kind of— Yes, ma'am. Go. Um, I've got a couple things, and because it's just me and you, I think we can be a little bit looser with it. Let's go ahead. Um, I'm feeling—I guess this isn't really petty, but I, I love this story, and it's very much a story that reinforces things that I already thought about this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senator Kirsten Cinema. Boo. Oh. Uh, has been flying private a lot on the taxpayer's dime. You know what? That's exactly what I expected her to do. That's exactly, well, 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 You know, well, I had well, to well. read that story a couple times because I'm like, how is that even possible? And then I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. It's, it. she's like, I don't know what she's doing. What is she doing? I like, I don't think she's going to win re-election. I don't think don't that she's got enough of a national profile that anybody really wants to hear from her. She's annoying to everybody. Um, I don't know. What 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 is she doing? Just I don't know, but like it? why would like why do people care so much about flying private? Like it's great and all, but it's always every it's always someone's undoing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is it's so it's very stupid. Uh, you're a senator. You're not as big a big shot as you think. You know? No. Like, no. just come on. We, there is so much. Here's the thing. This is my why I get bummed out about stories like this. There is so much at stake. We have so much to do. Democrats, please, no unforced errors. No unforced errors. Just well, she, isn't she an independent now? Whatever, She's, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. People who caucus with us in any context, please. There stop. you go. Please exactly. stop doing it. Um, I also have another thing that I just, I feel petty about it because I just like love it. I love stories of celebrity liars being caught telling oh. random ass lies. Go ahead. Um, so Sydney Sweeney, who is uh, <laughs> yes. in, in Euphoria and then that one rom-com that's supposed to be, that was touted as like, oh, it's a new revival of, updated Shakespearean stories or whatever. I'm not I'm not going to watch it, but whatever. Fine. <laughs> she seems whatever. Um, Sydney Sweeney has been ta- talking in interviews about how she was a tour guide at Universal Studios. Like, mm-hmm. that was one of her jobs, she says. Mm-hmm. And there have been a bunch of people that are actual tour guides on Univ- at Universal Studios who are like, no, you weren't. Like, you definitely what? weren't. She's like randomly <laughs> saying <laughs> that she was a tour guide at Universal Studios and— People at Universal are like, there is an audition process. It's really competitive. What? Um, there are people who went on from being tour guides at Universal to have, like, success in entertainment. But all of the tour guides are forced to, like, memorize that list of people and, like, spell them, you know, share them with people who are on tours. It is like, if she were an actual Universal Studios tour guide— <laughs> People would have known that who also have that job. Um, yeah, I just think it's so funny. It's such a weird thing to lie about, and I just love it. I love it. Weird and and provable. Do you yeah, know what I, I mean, mean? Like it's it's like it's along the lines. It's like a baby version of Ilaria Baldwin uh, oh, telling everyone she's cucumber. from Spain. 
<laughs> living living as a fake Spanish woman for like years and years and just gradually and slowly becoming more Spanish until someone was like, you grew up in Boston, Hillary. Um, this is just like a baby version of that. It's no it's Ilaria. It's a baby version. But it is like, come on, your life's good enough. Why you got to make up that story? <laughs> yeah. I just, I love like a little, a dumb celebrity lie. It's so funny to me. I just, they, you know, shine on you crazy diamond, Sydney Sweeney. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Alyssa, what are you, are you feeling petty or sanity corner today? Aaron, I'm feeling petty. Jeff Bezos apparently had a birthday. Mm-hmm. He had a birthday. 60. Again? He's 60. Oh. And he had a space-themed birthday party. Okay? Wait, he's 60 or he's... Six. Sixty. Okay, six. If 60. you were six, I would be like, Jeff, you look like shit. You got to change your diet. <laughs> but, Aaron, this was my thing. I guess, I don't know, maybe rich people just all run around together and they don't keep track on what they do and, like, what everyone's up to. But they're like, they're rich, so I'm going to go to their birthday party. Or I'm rich, so I'm going to invite these other people to my birthday party. But, Aaron, this space-themed birthday party... Was Jay-Z and Beyonce, some of the Kardashians, Jared and Ivanka, Oprah, Bob Iger. Now, here's my thing. I'm, you know, celebrate your birthday party. But if you are, just saying, I think people and their birthdays are an interesting thing. If you, Jeff Bezos, have achieved so much and the only way for you to feel good about yourself is to have some star fuckery birthday party. Like, if it were me, I just feel pretty confident in this. If I were Jeff Bezos, I'd be like, in honor of my birthday, maybe he'll hear us, Erin. In honor of my <laughs> birthday, I'm going to go ahead and uh, my present to myself isn't going to be some absurdly lavish, like even the the cast of Succession would be like, that was over the top. I would um, go onto my website, Amazon, and I would just clear the teacher's wish lists. That's what I would do, Aaron. If I were that rich, that's, that's why you're never going to be rich, Alyssa. That's why you're never going to be rich because you give away too much. Rich, real rich people are su- stingy motherfuckers. They have the- a they have a personality disorder. I think the the, the, the mega thing. rich is is there's something wrong with them. He made, reportedly, $7.9 million an hour in 2023. An hour. How much money do you think would really, it would cost him to just clear some wait, some wish lists? I'm just saying. Like, Not that the much. The phrase, all in a day's work, all in a day's work. What? I mean, I don't know. I just, I was, it bummed me out. And also the guest list bummed me out. So I was like, okay. Oh, tacky. Tacky, 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 tacky. So tacky. Um, not surprised. Like, not surprised. No, but no. continuously, continually disappointed. I just feel like Mackenzie Scott, every week that passes with her not being married to him anymore should feel good to her. The divorce just, was the right decision. Yes. She's too good for him. She is just a better person in every way, shape, or form. And he's having space birthday with his Space like birthday. The, with the most I'm anno- an adult, and I'm going to have a theme birthday party. I am sensing that society-wise, we are turning on the Kardashians. Turning on them. We are not. People are like, mm, you're not cute anymore. This isn't. It's not cute. It's not you're funny. You're adult-ass women. 
Yeah, they're, they're start like, acting like it. They're like forty. <laughs> they're four. They're they're not, I know. They're not. They're they're middle aged women, and middle aged women do amazing things. But like attend a billionaire birthday party and pal around with Jared and Ivanka. Oh, get. Though we know Kimmy, Kimmy and Ivanka have been friends for ages. They're always in Palm Beach together. <laughs> Ugh, gross, gross, gross. Yeah, super gross. rich people are super gross. All right, before we sign off, some listener shout outs. We love you guys. You can reach us, hysteria at crooked.com. We're also on like the socials. I'm on Instagram, yeah. but you're more likely to reach us if you just email hysteria Agree. at crooked.com. Agree. Got to try to avoid the DMs. Yeah, I just, I've stopped checking them in many cases. Mm-hmm. It's just, it can be a real cesspool. And you don't want to be in a cesspool. No, we're trying to live our best lives too. Come in the, the saltwater pool that is our email inbox. Okay, so we have um, some fun reviews I wanted to pull from. Uh, one reviewer says, I love the show. I'm no expert, but I think you should call the podcast Women Save America. Funny joke. Uh, we joked about calling it Broad Save America. Right? I mean, because we are, but. Because, yeah, we are broads, and I don't know if we're saving America, but we're here, broads in America. Uh, we also had a, another nice review. Aaron and Alyssa are the smartest, kindest, and funniest. Wow, that is great. I, I just, appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I just want you all to know that I really gathered together all my kindness, like like a little, like a little weapon like a little in the middle. Like a little bouquet? Exactly. I gather it all together for you guys because I can be a real cunt during my day-to-day life. So uh, I really bring it to you guys every week. See, so thank you for noticing. <laughs> and I'm like a delightful blueberry muffin most of the time. And so I actually try to save some of my kindness, smartness, and funniness for the podcast. <laughs> okay, that is all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Thank you to Shaniqua McClendon for joining us to give us that update on VSA. Thank you to Anna Louise Sussman for joining us to break down the political divide between men and women in the younger generation. Alyssa, ride or die. Love you. Thank you, as always, for being you. Love you back. Wish you were here. Can't wait to see you. When are you coming out? We'll talk offline. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on IG, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Hysteria on YouTube for access to video versions of your favorite segments and other exclusive content. And if you're as opinionated as we are, consider dropping us a nice review. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. We get audio support from Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okolate, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. The history of HIV and AIDS is the history of people who were told to stay out of sight and who refused to do so. Gay men, but also injection drug users, women, and yes, children who contracted the virus. 
Join host Kai Wright for Blind Spot, The Plague in the Shadows, a new series that seeks to answer the question of how much pain could have been avoided had we paid attention sooner. In Blind Spot, you'll meet people who demanded that they and their illness be seen, mothers and children, doctors and nurses, nuns and sex workers, all leading to a woman who literally helped change the definition of AIDS. From the History Channel and WNYC Studios, Blind Spot, The Plague in the Shadows. Listen wherever you get podcasts.